So yesterday, I one thing I, I tried to do yesterday is to uh, make us aware that the poet who wrote this text we are going to work with is a man who lived and died and struggled just like us. And that he wrote these poems in moments of struggle and despair to remind himself to to reconnect with the goodness in him, the undestructible goodness. So when we read a text like this, it's also uh, meeting a person, uh, and not a not a a, a person which is. Um, which is beyond all, all humanity, but who is really human, very much so. So I, I read a bit about, about his life, not so much, but uh, just to, to give us a sense that uh, we are talking, we are meeting a person here. Then I... Uh, I, ins I, I, I try to induce a, a way to approach this text mainly as a poem. So th this is what I would like to do. One can also approach th this text like as a scholarly, more from the scholarly point of view. Yeah, but um, I would like to approach it more uh, in the way can can McLeod does. Uh, so, so similar now, the way we took refuge. Uh, so bringing your whole body into that, into that experience of reading this text. So it, it's it's easy, for example, to see taking refuge as this ritual where you say some words and. And maybe you you know you have you know you have learned about refuge and and so on and so on and you have some lists in the background of five of this and six of that and 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 uh, and then you miss that uh, taking refuge is actually something uh, it is an experience it is something it is something you embody. And there's a big difference. And uh, it's easy to miss that when we say prayers, when we attend the Buddhist rituals. Uh, it's all about, it's, it, it, the more important thing is uh, to uh, to be curious about what is happening in your body, mind, heart. And when you take refuge, for example, there's many different things which could happen. Maybe when, you, when you're connected with your body, mind, heart, 
and you take refuge, maybe you become very sad because you connect with the lost boy, the lost girl in you who didn't have a refuge. Maybe when you take refuge with your, with your body, mind, heart, and body, mind, heart is not separate from the Buddhist, particular from the tantric point of view. So body, mind, heart is all of this. And it's actually all of this, but let's start with all of this. So body, mind is all of this. Um, you think and feel and communicate the whole time with all of this. It's a complete Western stupid idea that you sit somewhere in the head and you think with this part of the body. I mean, now they 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 also not neuropsychology. They accepted that also. That it's not the brain is not like a thing which is like. So, um, bring this into whenever you re uh, go to uh, listen to teachings, whenever you read texts, Buddhist texts, uh, when you say prayers, when you say mantras, you know, do it with your body, mind, heart. And be curious about what happens in you. What happens when you read these lines? What happens in you when you take refuge? Maybe you think you should feel a certain way, like maybe you have an idea how you should feel, like maybe full of veneration and, I don't know, inspired. But that's maybe not what's happening. Maybe you get upset, maybe you get angry, like you feel oh, this stupid ritual, you know, it's completely empty, it does not mean anything, why do they do this? And that's very interesting, because that's how you learn about your patterns, about your you know, that which is kind of rebel, rebellious then. How old is that? Are you still stuck in some stupid teenage patterns which prevent you from you know, uh, responding to this as an adult person. For example, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, blah blah. Yeah, but just, uh, <laughs> just to, um, to, uh, to make you curious, to you know, to go this this uh, this path of self-discovery, of self-introspection. And, and, and so whatever happens in, in your practice, that's what is happening and that's what you, what you get to know and that's what you can relate to with the loving gaze. And feeling, wow, this is really stupid and getting angry with the teacher is as equally interesting than you know, being inspired and feeling, wow, how wonderful the teacher is. It's, it's both, you know, it's both patterns worth to be, uh, to be seen, worth to be looked through, worth to be curious about.
And actually, in a way, it's almost more interesting to be aware of the moments when you contract, when you, when you struggle, when you, when you get reactive, when you get upset with something. In these poems, for example. Yeah? So if you take refuge and you get uh, kind of reactive with that, this is almost like there's more juice in it, in that. You know? And there's not so much juice in being the good girl and good boy. <laughs> there's much more juice and, uh, and, and uh, potential for getting to know something which uh, constricts you or something which still has a grip on you uh, when you become aware of those responses. And then you name it, and you become aware of it. And, and, and that's fantastic how uh, an increased awareness of your patterns, of your reactivity, of your responses, of how you, what is happening in you, uh, how an awareness of that, a loving awareness, an Avalokiteshvara awareness, frees you from those. In the se- not in the sense that they stop, but that you that you that you have more choice. And then slowly, slowly, they actually start to dissolve because you're not you are not feeding them. You you kind of you you you, you, do, you don't you know. What you're not aware of, and or what you try to suppress, what you do, what you, what you are not trying to see, will continue to govern you. You 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 suppress it into the shadow, and it stays there, and you see it in other people, and it, and from the back, it's it's uh, it's, you know, it's making you act. Like for example, if you, if you suppress a pattern of your judgmental pattern. Like this kind of really nasty judgments you, you have towards other people because they, whatever, it can be all kinds of reasons. So as long as you're not aware, as long as you don't name it, as long as you don't share it, it it's, it's not going away by pretending it's not there. Because now I'm a, this good, good Buddhist. So I don't judge others, and I shouldn't judge others. It's bad to judge others. And I'm really judgmental with my judgmental attitude. <laughs> yeah? And, and, and then it continues to work in you, and it makes you do things. And if you are skillful, you can get away with being the good girl and good boy. But you have to call look. You have the, the the tricky way to to express what you really think about this person. Uh, so, again, the, the the this this way of approaching teachings and texts uh, as a more 
with the curiosity of oh, what's happening in me? What's my experience with this? And uh, to tune in, in into that means also a lot to tune in into your body. To become, uh, to, to become curious and more aware of your reactivity, the way you, what is happening. And what is happening is, it, it is of course also the thinking and the thoughts, but since we have, we live in this disembodied uh, culture, I really encourage you to include much more and emphasize that maybe even for, for a few years, uh, the, the responses you have in your body. So then I also talked a bit about um, uh, you know, different different attitudes tr to translation. Because uh, Ken McLeod has this approach to translation that what his attempt is to um, to uh, in his translation to convey to transmit the experience which the poet who wrote the poem 600 years ago 800 years ago uh, wanted to express in his piece of art so much more much more uh, much different than a, a translator who is very much like more technical okay what does it mean and and who tries to be true to the to the words rather than trying to be true to the experience. And it will be interesting to look a bit into the two translations, the one in from Geshe Champa Tekshu's book and from Ken McLeod. And I just saw that um, the translation, this is the, the his latest translation is in the book. So the translation I will give you is a previous translation, which I downloaded from the net. And there's some changes there also. He makes some changes. And it's interesting because one of the changes is, is it's very good uh, and very interesting uh, in one of the first verses. And, and, and it's so interesting then to see, okay, if I read this translation, what happens then in me? And if I read that translation, what is happening then? And then one can... One can one can uh, one can discover. Wow! I really have to be more careful about um, how to work with these texts. Uh, and what is also interesting to uh, uh, to uh, to be aware that the translation of um, the translation and the commentary of Geshe Champa Tekshok comes, you know, from the Goluk tradition, which is a very graduate path tradition, yeah? so step by step. So we are not there yet and you have to do this and this and this and then 
uh, and then awakening will happen somewhere in the future if you if you do it all right yeah and then Kemekloit, who comes from the Kage tradition, more, okay, you know, awakening and the Buddha is not something, first the Buddha is not something out there and awakening is not something in the future, but more like, okay, where is awakening happening now? Where is that space in us which is free and uh, radiates love and has where is that now? And you can see it in the translation. They have a different, they have a different uh, a, a view on that. So, so that's also interesting to acknowledge. A translator who comes, who holds a certain view, a general view on the path, will translate this poem of Tongle Sangpo in a different way than a practitioner like Ken McLeod who has a different view, who has more the intention of pointing to that with which is awake already now. So he will translate the text in a different way. Uh, so, and then I gave also a bit of a historical background, so to get a sense uh, that uh, how this belongs to the you know the the, the lineage of the Lojong uh, teachings, um, the attitude training teachings, which go back to Shantideva and Atisha. So Atisha brought them into Tibet, and then in the in in the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth century, there were different. There were this school of the Kadampa masters who wrote different commentaries, which are still being uh, used in the Tibetan tradition. And then these teachings in an unbroken line came uh, to a soul in the Dalai Lama and uh, uh, Lama Sopa Rinpoche, Geshe Tekshok. So the text, I will give you the text uh, uh, soon before the break. Um, the text starts with uh, Namo Lokateshwara, Namo Avalokateshwara. And uh, <coughs> so that, that is like kind of the entry. You know? So that's the entry into the text. It's a homage to the Undestructible compassion. It's a homage to compassionate presence. And uh, Ken McLeod uh, writes about this. Imagine that you are Lokeshwara. Imagine that you are Shenrizik. And here for this purpose, we can use the thousand arm Shenrizik, yeah? like the standing with 1,000 arms and many eyes. Yeah? So again, these, these images 
they are not talking about some beings outside of you. They are archetypal symbols of an aspect of your own being. And, and uh, uh, having an image like this is, uh, is supposed to be a reminder of a reminder and a, and, a, and a kind of mirror giving you the opportunity, giving you the invitation to connect with that in you. And uh, in, in the tantric practice, that exactly, that's exactly what you do. Like if you would read a text like this, in the morning, like a line of the text, you would do the Shenrizik sadhana and you would arise as Shenrizik. So you, you, would, you would do it a practice. So you, this, imagine that you are Avalokiteshvara. So that's what, what you do. Inside you, as quiet as a pond that lies in the center of a deep forest, inside you are, inside you are, as quiet as a pond that lies in the center of a deep forest, a pond that, protected by the trees around it, has been undisturbed by even the slightest breeze for a thousand years. Feel that stillness within you. Feel that stillness within you. Well, yesterday I used, I used this image of the still bird. So the, the image of the bird who's busy, anxious, you know, very serious. And then there's the the quiet bird just sitting on a branch and looking at this business. So that stillness, the resting part in our practice. Yeah, the resting part. And and, and that's you know, that's something which needs some 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 time to 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 uh, connect within your body, within your being, with that stillness, which is there, which is there all the time, in the biggest busyness, in the biggest mess of your life, there is that stillness. It's just that, you, that we have not familiarized ourselves with it a lot. We have familiarized ourselves so much with the busy bird, so that we fuse very easily with the busy, busy bird. We are just gone there and identify with it. And then it fills out our whole experience. And then we might think to find that stillness, we need to go to the summer house and to retreat, and or we need to, uh, you know, numb the busy bird by drinking, or and even worse, uh, getting more busy. Why is it so difficult to settle there? What are you afraid of? Because the busy bird is afraid. That's why it's not sitting down. You know, the busy bird, the addicted bird, the 
violent bird, uh, uh, the, the I'm so busy, I have to do so, so many things, so many important things to do. <laughs> that, that, that busy bird is afraid. What is it afraid of? What is it? No. What is it? What it? What is it? What it does not want to touch? Maybe, it, it, you know. Sometimes it's surprising that it is actually not a big thing. Of course, there is also you know the wounds and the there is intensive things. But sometimes we find out, wow, I'm just I'm just afraid to settle with my restlessness. I'm just afraid to settle with my boredom. So, but that stillness, yeah, so that stillness is available to us. It's there all the time. And I think the only way to really emerge ourselves and to get to know that stillness is in meditation. But for meditation, the busy person needs to sit down and needs to hold that busyness, busy energy, that <gasps> and and that's difficult. And hopefully the you know the seven preliminary practice, which will be the first seven verses in this text, give us some you know some some indication how how can how can we make the busy bird sit down? <laughs> What are the conditions we can create so that the body, the, that the busy, that the busy bird starts to settle down? That's the first seven verses in this text. So, because of that stillness, you hear everything. You hear the cry of a baby when it first comes into the world. You hear a young woman's gasp of disbelief and despair when her boyfriend breaks things off. You hear the sobs of pain of a woman stricken, stricken by breast cancer. So he gives many examples of what Shenrizik hears and what Shenrizik sees. So that's symbolized by, the, by these heads. You know, he has many heads. And he's looking into all directions. Yeah? They, they are like piled on each other, and in, in each direction there is. Uh, so he's from that stillness. He sees everything. He, he, he hears everything. Yeah. You hear the suffering of the world. What do you do? What do you do? This is uh, this is maybe part of you know when you when you when you investigate into when you ask yourself why the, why does the busy bird why does why does it 
Why is it not settling down? Why is it not slowing down? Because when you slow down, then you need to touch your pain. And when you touch your pain, you, you touch also the pain of others. You start to see it's, oh wow, I'm not alone with this. We're struggling together. Somehow it's crazy to do this. But on the other hand, somehow we feel this is the only way to live a genuinely authentic and meaningful life. In the stillness, your heart breaks and outpours a river of compassion. And in the in the thousand arms Henrik, this is symbolized by the one thousand arms. So his body splits apart and he has this one thousand arms. And in each of these arms there is an eye and that pours uh, the nectar of, of compassion pours pours out. Wanting to, to, wanting to ease the pain of all beings. You reach out and touch the pain of each and every person. Whatever the connection, you find a way to ease their pain. In that easing, easing in that easing, in that easing, each person knows a moment of open stillness, a quiet that they have never experienced before. And that moment changes everything. Each person knows a moment of open stillness. So this is you no. Know, uh, you have to. You at one point you have to attend a teaching of the Holiness the Dalai Lama. And so not, not as a, you know, I'm not, it's not about worship or something like that. But this is exactly what happens. No. Each person knows a moment of open stillness. A quiet that they, that, that they have never experienced before. And that moment changes everything. And you can see it around you. So even, you know, maybe you are still busy with your rebellious teenager. So, but but uh, then you just look around. You just look around at the other people. And you see it in their eyes. That exactly that happens. They know a moment of open stillness. And that's why they come. They don't understand anyway what the Holiness says. Most of the people they don't understand. I mean, after five sentences, you know, after he said, "You know, brothers and sisters," and and then <laughs> it's finished. Yeah, so, but uh, that's not why we go there. 
So each person knows a moment of open stillness, a quiet that they haven't, that they have never experienced before, and and that's, you know, this is amazing. I, I when I talk with people, it happens so often that they say to me, you know, for some it is an, of course another teacher does not need to be his his holiness. So other other teachers do the same, but it's again and again that I hear. Wow, I, I went to this teaching and I don't remember anything. I, d I don't know what he said. I, 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 un I didn't really understand what was, it, what was it about. But something shifted. And this is not, I'm not talking about an amazing awakening experience and something, you know, not, not like this. It's you know, this quiet, this moment of open stillness is actually quite subtle. You, you recognize it as something very, 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 very special. But you're not going home and writing a book about your awakening or something because you know, it's not like that. It's, it's not like it's not that spectacular. Spect you wouldn't even, you know, like excitedly go home and you know say oh, no because it's so it's so precious and so subtle and so you can't really say what it is you know what was it, it it's, yeah it's it's not like that but something in you has recognized a quiet that that you have never experienced before and that moment changes everything So when when you uh, when you read the text, now we could talk the whole day about the Namohamakrishvara, <laughs> yeah, uh, because it's you know that's like the essence. Namo means uh, you know I pay homage, or also like I take refuge. So it's like the kind of the the ground in which all the Tibetan traditions, and I, I think we can quite confidentially include all spiritual traditions, the ground which all, they all point to, the the experience, that experience which the Christian mystics. Of course, puts it in different words than a Tibetan yogi, but they they are talking about Namo Avalokiteshvara, the ultimate medicine. So when when we when we start to read the text, that could be a moment you know, where you you fold your hands and you feel the presence of your teacher, of Jesus, Krishna, whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, this needs to. This is not about doing it right or something. This is about uh, finding uh, 
what uh, what speaks to you. Maybe it's more like a, 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 the, the morning sun, like the symbol of the eastern sun, which is a symbol in the in the in the Buddhist tradition. There's the eastern sun, the the morning sun is 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 a symbol for uh, for that for that for that ground. And then uh, and then you 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 see if you can have a moment of breathing into that space. <laughs> and maybe you need a bit time there. So like we did now, uh, the provisional practice of you know going through the body and re releasing some of the tension. So that would be um, that would be kind of creating creating a, a condition so that you you can tune in into the stillness. Yeah, and then for some people, it's maybe doing the prostrations, making some offerings, like kind of moving the body, making a nice place, uh, you know, doing some maybe doing some yoga, um, you know, all these uh, uh, preliminary practices, preparation practices, where, you know, we, we start to settle, we start to, you know, we start to settle, things quieten down a bit. And, and then, and if, if these practices, like making the offerings, uh, prostrations, <laughs> if uh, if they are done playfully and joyfully, then then they they will they will make a difference in terms of being able to find that quiet space. And in the Tibetan tradition, one of the main uh, main possibilities uh, is. Uh, to remember to reconnect with your teacher not uh, you know, but the, t the teacher as a archetypal symbol of that in you so we don't get we don't get stuck in a kind of worship uh, relationship or the teacher who is like on the throne and out there and so different and uh, uh, no, the that's a very provisional stage of our practice. So we, we kind of it's out there and then you know, we take it we, we take it we recognize that quality in us that quiet. So. There's the quiet, the resting. And then there's also the looking. So one translation of Avalokiteshvara is the, the one who is uh, looking, the one who is looking at all living beings. And he's looking in a very uh, profound way. He's looking very differently than us. And, and one aspect of his looking is the gentleness 
the warmth, the kindness. And again, that is something inborn. We all have that capacity. We all know it, it, it's, it's, it wakes in us very naturally. We are born with it and uh, you know, and it, it, we reconnect with it. It's, it breaks through. We can't help ourselves. Very strong for those of you who have who are parents, but also you know, uh, with you know when you fall in love, when when you're touched, uh, when you when you buy yourself a puppy, uh, when you take care of your plants, it's uh, and uh, it's in everyone. So that's one part, the gentleness, the kindness. And uh, from the Buddhist point of view, that's like your, your default state. That's your natural state. If, if, you, if you would be able to press the reset button, yeah, and you go back to the default state, that would be the default state. prior to all the shit you know our upbringing and our education and all the fears which were put into that but prior to that is that gentleness so that's one part and the other is the wisdom part the wisdom recognizing emptiness and we have to explore of course more what, what that means but now the the first the first line at least in the translation of um, of uh, Ken McLeod and that's again interesting yeah that uh, he uh, and in the Tibetan it's the same but the translator the other translator from the Guluk tradition does not put this in the beginning. Yeah? So it starts with Namo Avalokiteshvara. So that's paying homage to that, emphasizing that gentleness, that compassion in that looking. And then in the first line of this text, uh, Tongmit Tsangpo points to the other aspect of the looking, and that is the wisdom part. And the and he, the way he expresses this here now is, uh, let's see, uh, oh, it's, you who see that experience has no coming or going, you who see that experience has no coming or going. So that's what the how the text starts. You, Avalokiteshvara who see that experience has no coming and no going. So what does that mean? You who experience that, you who see that experience has no coming and going. So this is referring to the twofold emptiness. Twofold because 
it's not only talking about phenomena, it's also about talking ourselves, about you or what, what you feel, what you are. So this text starts with these two aspects of your nature, gentleness, love, compassion, and wisdom. And wisdom in the Buddhist teachings is almost always referring to the wisdom of realizing, of seeing that first line. You who see that experience has no coming and going. So we will look into uh, the meaning of, you know, the experience of that intimate way of being connected with your experience without solidifying it, without objectifying it, without getting caught into it, being intimate with it but being in touch with its insubstantiality, with, with its, uh, with its, yeah, with its uh, unrealness. It's real and it's unreal at the same time. To bring it into a, an experience, like how how can that be possible? To be in, in like to be intimate with an experience, but somehow uh, being also seeing how the experience itself is insubstantial, fluid. It's not that solid, concrete as it seems to be. So when we when we um, when we use that um, uh, that uh, metaphor of the calm bird and the busy bird, so if you imagine that you would uh, uh, find that calm space within you, so you get quiet and content, and and, and then you look at busyness like people moving, maybe being bit hectic, but without that calmness, without you know, that calmness, that peacefulness, does not need to be disturbed. So there, there is this, okay, you see movement is happening, but somehow it's like you, re, you, you are in touch with the dreamlike nature of that movement of that seriousness.
the dreamlike that could be a that could be a, a way maybe to get a taste of what is meant here so imagine this is a dream and imagine that you become aware oh this is a dream so actually we are all at home sleeping yeah just now and so you had this dream this where you woke up in the morning you had breakfast you came here you settled down so you you have that that dream and all the time you thought this is this is real this is my life this is yeah and now suddenly someone in your dream says hey this is a dream <laughs> and you wow yeah of course this must be a dream this does not make sense at all that i'm sitting here this wonderful day everyone is out there and i'm sitting here this i would never do this this can't be real this is not my life i would go to the beach no this must be a dream so you 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 kind of you 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 find yeah this is this is impossible that this is a real life so this is a dream so what would happen at that moment you would like wow and everything would be as vivid and as it, it, nothing it would not disappear it would it would be still there but uh, but still but at the same time you would relate to it in a very different way you would you would see you would you would realize there is actually no coming and going yes there is coming and going but there is also no coming and going there is nothing which comes and goes so the appearance of coming and going happens but nothing solid real independently from your consciousness is coming and going so coming and going it's not it's not saying oh there is no coming and going it says but it does it says there is no coming and going but what it says is here there is no independently solid real seriously out of itself happening coming and going there is a dream like illusion like insubstantial coming and going an independent coming and going from everything else particular from the consciousness of the dreamer and so that makes it possible for chenrezig to split open and to hear the cries of the world not in the sense oh it's just a dream it does not exist this is tricky <laughs> this is very this is uh, okay good uh, good point for a break <laughs> so let's